the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, Alan Dempsey, once again, is manning the controls. He's our engineer. And uh, Andrew Herdliska produces this show for us every weekend. I'm happy to catch up with Andrew Blauner uh, in Connecticut, founder of Blauner Books Literary Agency. And his new book is out. It's called The Good Book, Writers Reflect on Favorite Bible Passages. Andrew, it's nice to catch up with you again. I hope things are well with you. Thanks, Pat. They are. I appreciate it. Uh, Give me a history of this book. How did it come about? What was your purpose here? Yeah, but it's a very interesting history, and I'm reminded that you and I last spoke, I think, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. The perfect bookend, the first of five anthologies that I've, I've put together, was called Coach. It was an inspirational book of stories, essays, people writing about their coaches and mentors. Mm-hmm. And there have been others in between about brothers and uh, Central Park and Boston, but this one came about a few years ago. There was a piece in the New York Review of Books by Harold Bloom called My Favorite Book in the Bible. Mm. Uh, and I was sort of transfixed by it, and it was the catalyst to, to, to put this together. To, it was just sort of the germ of the idea. And in the interim, the, the marathon bombings happened on Patriots Day in Boston, and that put this project on hold. Um, and I was compelled to put together a book about Boston with the profits from that going to the victims of, of the bombing. And once the decks were cleared, I, I, this this. Bible book, the the good book, it just stayed with me, and I just kept seeing signs and manifestations of how passages of the Bible, even from people who have no interest per se in religion, or maybe not even in the Bible, that there are codes by which they seem to live, things that they believe in or subscribe to, that derive from the good book. How did you decide what people to contact about this, and how did you get to them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... I mean, it's kind of like picking an all-star team, you know, for a, a, a sport. It's just there's so many great writers from which to choose, and you just don't know who has that story. What I what I set out to do was not go to people who were sort of known as being Bible scholars, religious writers, even anything in that realm, but people who just are great writers, great essayists, and might have something to say on the topic. And so... Um, that was kind of the motivating factor, and, and the yield uh, was tremendous because, again, it's just certain people have certain, whether it's the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son or the Golden Rule, the, my brother's keeper, you know, they're, they're just these touchstones which have touched people's lives. And so I just started to, to your second question. A lot of the writers in the book I knew personally, um, and some I just sort of cold-called and... Uh, um, that's that. That was the genesis of it. Some of them have been in some of my other anthologies, some of the other collections. So we had a relationship. Well, I'll tell you what I want to do, Andrew. I'm going to start first of all uh, with the people uh, that I've heard of and have a, have some some knowledge of, and then we'll go back and uh, pick up the other ones. But let's get started. Tell me about Michael Eric Dyson. Right. Well, well known, and you invited him, and uh, off he goes on Abraham, Isaac, and us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what what do we learn from Michael Eric Dyson? Well, Michael Eric Dyson, um, boy, he's he's known in so many different uh, uh, realms and worlds. He is a TV commentator on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Um, he teaches at Georgetown, and he kind of yeah he he writes a piece in which he kind of uh, 
uh, in the words of the, the in-house editor, Simon & Schuster published the book, I should mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this sort of urgent anger uh, in his reading of the story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, and it relates, it relates it to current events, uh, Trayvon Martin. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of an epic piece that I could never do justice to, but he, his, is such an, his is a very um, potent... Um, animated, passionate voice that I think stands stands on its own in the piece and is different from 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 anything else in the book. And in in, in the sense, in a sense of the way it ties together um, the, the history and the the Bible passage to to things that are very alive and very troubling in society today. Now, I say, he, he is he's one of the few people who has a religious background training. He's a, and among other things, in addition to being a Georgetown sociology professor, he's an ordained minister. Mm. He's also written New York Times bestselling books, uh, I think 15, 16 books of his own. So quite a quite a guy, quite, quite a, a guy. And I mean, there, there are 30 different writers in the book. So, uh, again, my job in a way, once we came up with the idea for it and put got the collection together again it was sort of i felt like sort of being like a manager of a team just trying not to mess it up and just then trying to find the right rhythm or combination and the book actually follows the progression of the bible starts with the old testament um and and basically works from the garden of eden to revelation andrew bloner is with us we're talking about his book the good book writers reflect on favorite bible passages jane levy uh, one of the great great biographers in the sports realm, Andrew. Oh, my, when she tackles, oh, Sandy Koufax or Mickey Mantle or whatever, it's just gold. Anyway, she's in the book. Yeah. I was I was really surprised. I was happy to see that. Uh, what's it about? What does Jane contribute? Well, I love, I love what you said, because Jane's a perfect example of what I was referring to before in terms of not somebody you would necessarily think of. Uh, I, I, I'm totally with you, and she wrote a book. She wrote a piece... Uh, for that first book that I did about coaches. Um, and she wrote about a dying coach, uh, which is another story unto itself. But uh, she's working on a book about Babe Ruth now. And I just went really? to mm. and, and again, I don't know her sort of personal religious beliefs or anything else. And sure enough, um, she had a story that ties in intricate, in, in, intimately um, with her father, um, who was a very prominent lawyer, um, who basically believed that the Ten Commandments, as she puts it, are the basis for all Western jurisprudence. Um, and so, again, it's sort of, it, 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 it's an integrative piece which takes a part of the Bible, in her case, Genesis 23, and relates it, in her case, hers is probably the most, um, I don't want to say personal, but a lot of the pieces in the book do tie into family. Um, whether it's Tobias Wolf about the prodigal son or Jane writing about her father. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That, uh, uh, that, and that's sort of been a theme in all of the books that have done. Wow, isn't that interesting? You would think that everything that could possibly be researched or written about Babe Ruth has been done. But I'll tell you what, Andrew. I guarantee you it'll be a great book. It'll well, be a great I, I read. couldn't agree with you more about that too. I work. I, you know, I wear these two hats. I'm a literary agent, uh, Blauner Books Literary Agency, and then I do these anthologies as kind of labors of love and pet projects. And when I'm wearing the agent hat, I work with a writer you may know also called Alan Barra. Oh yes, oh my who came yes. Came to me with an idea years ago for a book about um, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Yes. And maybe like you, I'd said, what what else is there to be written? Um, and sure enough, he found in that book, this is a tangent, I know, but just sort of in the way that their lives not just were parallel, but intersected. And I couldn't agree with you more. Jane is going to deliver a home run. So so were you uh, Alan Barra's agent on that book, Andrew? Yes, yes. Well, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> well, yeah. I've been lucky. I mean, I've been very, very lucky to work with uh, Yogi Berra and Frank Gifford and uh, Ed Koch and some some legendary people. And on the flip side... Uh, some very young, first-time, up-and-coming writers. So it's it's a sort of a, an embarrassment of riches. Now let's move uh, to another one of my favorites. I, I'm a big Cokie Roberts fan. Oh, and uh, and she writes for you with who is Stephen Roberts? Yeah, well, Stephen Roberts is is very prominent. I, I, I'm with you. I'm a big Cokie Roberts fan, but I'm also a Stephen Roberts fan. Stephen Roberts is Cokie's husband. Ah, and he was uh, a New York Times correspondent for over twenty. 25 years, 
Um, he's also a professor at George Washington University. Mm. Uh, he hosts a lot of uh, NPR uh, shows, and he writes book reviews for the Washington Post. Anyway, he's a very prominent, uh, successful guy in his own right. And with each of the anthologies, I think without exception, I've, I've liked the idea of having one piece in each book co-written, have it be a collaboration. And in this case, I, I was aware that Koki and Steve had had this, not just this marriage, but they'd, they'd written before, she's Catholic and he's Jewish. And I love the idea of them possibly co-writing a piece that sort of ties together their faith. We uh, will be back. I want to pick that up again with Andrew Blauner, uh, the founder of Blauner Books Literary Agent. We're talking about his book, The Good Book. You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Two little tablets is all it takes to make your thin hair feel and look thicker and fuller. Guaranteed. Viviscal is the number one drug-free hair growth supplement in the U.S., with one box being sold every minute globally. It's clinically researched to promote existing hair growth for men and women. And now a 90-day supply of Viviscal is offered in your area risk-free plus free shipping. Call 800-226-1900. Viviscal nourishes thinning hair from within. You'll love your hair growth results guaranteed. Viviscal is so effective. It's recommended by top doctors. Here's Dr. Grant Stevens, board-certified plastic surgeon. I feel confident recommending Viviscal to women with hair loss, thinning hair, or even dry or brittle hair. It's 100% drug-free, and it's backed by years of clinical research. Want to try Viviscal? Every listener that calls now gets a 90-day risk-free supply plus free shipping. Call now, 800-226-1900. 800-226-1900. That's 800-226-1900. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Holiday cards cost time and money. Why not send a card to everybody fast and free from CrossCards.com? Share joy, love, fun, and God's inspiration free. CrossCards.com. What's new at the new 950 WTLN? Keep the faith. Saturday nights at midnight, three hours of just the right Bible message for you. Packaged with your favorite contemporary Christian music. It's new. It's fresh. It's Keep the Faith. Saturday nights at midnight on the new 950 WTLN. And now on 94.9 FM. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest is Andrew Blauner from his uh, office in Connecticut. We're talking about his book, The Good Book. Uh, Before the break, Andrew, we were talking about Cokie Roberts and uh, husband Steve Roberts. Fill us in. uh, Finish that up, please. Sure, yeah. Cokie and Steve are of different faiths, and they have this blissful marriage, but also this terrific way. It's very hard to, to collaborate with somebody on any piece of writing, but they've done it in two books of their own, and I, I, I just approached them and said, is there any chance that you'd have any story to tell that you could collaborate on that takes up a passage of the Bible um, and kind of integrates their stories and their faiths? And sure enough, they did. The, the piece is called The Best Jew in the Family, and it takes up uh, Exodus 2. Um mm. And uh, they'll actually be doing an appearance in New York at the Barnes & Noble in a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm just tickled by that piece. And now, here comes the Reverend Al Sharpton. Huh. Why Psalms is my favorite biblical book. I'm, I'm eager to hear this story. Well, the, the, <laughs> the, the back story, just to give credit where it's due, one of my oldest, closest friends, a guy named Matthew Saul, um, who now works at Bloomberg Television, but he was the producer of uh, Reverend Al's TV show at the time because he's a guy in very high demand, obviously. And so I enlisted my pal Matt to uh, to approach Reverend Al, and uh, he could not have responded more quickly or more uh, enthusiastically. I think the problem, per se, was just sort of deciding uh, which passage, because, again, he's one of the few people who is sort of a... 
member of the clergy in addition to other things, and he took up the Book of Psalms and wrote a very poignant piece, which I, I hope, I think, might open a lot of people's eyes and surprise them. And that's, you mentioned Jane Levy and being surprised. I like that aspect of it. I think there, that, that a lot of people will recognize a lot of the writers in the book, but some they won't, and some I hope they will discover. Well, another familiar name is Carrie Kennedy, mm-hmm. uh, who does a piece on the resurrection. Uh, fill us in on Carrie Kennedy and uh, where she fits here. Yeah, Carrie Kennedy, as, as many of your listeners may know, is is uh, the son is son is the daughter of um, uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, and she's the president of the Robert F. Kennedy Human of Human Rights. She's also a prominent writer in her own right, and she wrote a best-selling book called "Being Catholic Now." Um, she started a human rights uh, organization in 1981, and again, she's somebody who's got a very full plate all the time. But my experience with almost all of these books is that's almost always the case with all these people. But if you find the right topic, it pushes the button, and people just, whether it's coaches and somebody they want to pay tribute to, or in Carrie's case, um, you know, she just made time in a very busy schedule um, uh, to write about um, a, a section um, uh, about the resurrection, which just has, has been a guiding force for her. Um, and... Uh, um, well, it's a nice, it's a nice contribution. I'll tell you that, Andrew. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, and she was very generous to do it. And and again, the combination again, part of it is finding part of it is finding the right combination of people. And and you can be a little politically correct because people will say. I think one of the earlier books I did, people said there's too many East Coast Ivy League graduates in the book and obviously you can't be too demagogic and please everybody but you just i don't know i just go with my gut and reach out to the people who i think will contribute to what i hope these books are tapestries you know i mean the word anthology comes from the greek word uh for bouquet and uh you just do the best you can and then if you look up and uh, you find 30 in this case 32 writers you hope that they come together and that they cohere in some way Andrew Blonner uh, put the book together, the editor of The Good Book. Uh, let's spend some time, Andrew, in the New Testament. Uh, the, <clears throat> excuse me, The Good Thief, uh, Ian Caldwell is the contributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's my confession, as it were. I didn't know who Ian Caldwell was before. Mm-hmm. And the funny, the sort of serendipitous Byzantine way you, you asked how to reach out, the backstory there, if I'm remembering it correctly, is there was a writer I was hoping to have in the book, I think maybe Chris Cleave, uh, and I ended up talking to his agent, Jennifer Joel, at, at ICM, and Chris, for some reason, couldn't do it. And she said, you know, what about Ian Caldwell? And I said, tell me about Ian, and uh, she told me about him, and I felt a little embarrassed to not know who he is because he's a very successful guy. And he wrote, and you know, you're not supposed to play favorites here, but he wrote one of my favorite pieces in the book. Um, and it turns out he's... You know, he's written a book called The Fifth Gospel. He's written about uh, his Princeton experience in a book called The Rule of Four, which which was on the New York Times bestseller list for about a year and translated into 35 languages. Um, but he wrote a book that, that uh, since you're, a, I know you're a sports fan, obviously, among other things, he wrote a book that sort of has a lot to do with swimming um, and, and and ties in his passage from, uh, yes, you're right, it's called The, uh, the Good Thief. And um, it, it start, it's the first chapter of the second section of the book about the New Testament, and it takes up the Gospel of Luke in a really eloquent, touching way that in the, that can, I don't want to give away the ending, but it, 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 it again ties in family. Who is Brooks Hansen? Hmm. Brooks Hansen's one of the smartest guys I know, uh, and I, I, I will say I've known him for a great many years. He's, he's an old friend, and he's been in a couple of other uh, books I've put together. Um, he teaches, uh, he te- he's a school teacher in uh, California at the Kate School. And I knew he's one of the early people I thought of. I knew he's not one of the biggest, best-known, brand-name, bold-faced names. But he had written a book about John the Baptist. And the first thing I remember, one of the very first things I I think I ever remembered about the Bible or or Bible story was about John the Baptist, and specifically the, the phrase or the concept of, let he who has two coats give one to he who has none. And that touched me, and it's something that I think of all the time. And so when I really thought this book was going to come to pass, I just reached out to Brooks, and again, he just, uh, you know, he's a school teacher, and so in this, I think he wrote the book probably, uh, the, the, the section uh, in the summertime, 
uh, and he's just a brilliant poetic uh, writer. And so, not coincidentally, he writes about John the Baptist. What about Jay Perini and the Sermon on the Mount? Jay Perini is the guy who's, who's coincidentally, who's uh, uh, a new book that was just reviewed in the New York Times uh, two days ago. Really? Um, he's a professor at Middlebury, and he's written uh, uh, three, four books, uh, Robert Frost about John Steinbeck, uh, Faulkner, a big biography of Jesus, and um, uh, he also works does some work on CNN. Um, and he's just sort of a classic case of what you were talking about, or what we were talking about before. I just knew him to be a great essayist and a great nonfiction writer. Um, and, you know, with some of these things, it's just a, it's a little bit of luck of timing, and somebody sometimes somebody is on deadline of finishing a book of their own, and they wanted to contribute, and if it had been a year before or a year after, they could do it. And Jay, um, it struck the chord, and he was, he was very enthusiastic about doing it, and I'm grateful to have him. Now I want you to talk about Ian Frazier, this saying... Ian Frazier, who, who's known to his friends as uh, Sandy Frazier, really? um, who's one of the most beloved writers uh, in, in the country, I'd say. I mean, he's been writing at The New Yorker, oh gosh, I, I wouldn't even know, probably for 30 years. Um, uh, he, he's sort of one of the more humor, uh, he writes a lot of humor pieces for the Times, but and he's writing a book of his own about uh, the Bronx, as I believe. Um well, here's his bio. He's been writing for The New Yorker since 1974. Mm. Um, and uh, and he's married to uh, the writer Jacqueline Carey. Uh, but um, he's he's just a phenomenal... Anyone who writes for The New Yorker is obviously a great stylist, and he's just a, he's, he's just got kind of a, a more comic uh, view of the world, I think, than, than a lot of the other people in the book. And yes, his, his uh, chapter, his passage is from the New Testament. It's called... Uh, what did we say it's called? Uh, this saying. This saying, right. Um, uh, and he takes up Matthew Matthew 15 and Mark 7 uh, in, in a very um, insightful, colorful way. Now I want you to talk about Thomas Lynch, uh, whose uh, topic is just called Miracles. I mean, who is <laughs> Thomas? Like a broken record, and I guess it, it makes sense that uh, the people in the book are people whom I uh, admire, and I just I love Thomas Lynch's work, and your listeners may know him um, for his best-known book, which is called The Undertaking, um, which uh, was a finalist for the National Book Award. Um, uh, he's a poet. He lives in Michigan, um, and he's. Um, uh, he was a professional uh, undertaker, for lack of a better word, or that is the word. Um, and he's done work on PBS for Frontline. He's written for the Irish Times. Um, and uh, he was just an example of somebody I didn't, I don't think I knew at all before, but I just knew him to be uh, just an incredibly thoughtful writer um, with a sort of different, just a, I guess I often target sort of people with diff- whom I think will bring sort of a different perspective um, and, and often that means going outside of the sort of New York, quote unquote, New York literary circles. And uh, Thomas Lynch lives in Michigan, um, and his piece is also from the New Testament. And uh, he his is right. His is called Miracles, and it takes up Mark, uh, Mark two uh, one through twelve. Who's Owen King? Never Owen King, quite as simple. Um, I hesitate to say this because you, you, you always do that whenever someone has a kind of a famous relative but has made their mark on their own, you don't want to lead with sort of their lineage. But he is Stephen King's son. Really? Um, but the reason I reached out to him is because he's, uh, uh, he, he's, one, of the young, more, uh, he's one of the younger writers uh, in the book. Um, he's the author of a, a novel called Double Feature. Uh, and he's had his book in the New York Times and, and other uh, literary journals. And, um, again, a case of I don't think we knew each other at all. And it's just such a potluck in a way. When you reach out to people, sometimes you don't hear back at all. In his case, I would say that he was the most enthusiastic uh, in his response. And um, uh, he wrote a piece called, uh, what is it called, Never Quite as Simple, also uh, New Testament. I guess we're staying in the New Testament. Um and, uh, and uh, he, I think we went through the most revisions on his on his piece, and he takes up Luke two nineteen, and that's the thing. Some pieces come in, and it's just they're pristine, and you don't need to do a thing. It's just a question of where they fit in the book, and others, you know, you have some collaboration and back and forth. 
And uh, <clears throat> I want you to talk about Tobias Wolf. Well, Tobias Wolf, if he wasn't the first person I went to, he was in the first three. Um, partly because he's just one of my favorite writers, and, and he's been in a couple of my other anthologies. And again, you know, again, that function of like he's always got a full plate, and he wrote uh, This Boy's Life, and so many great short stories and essays and books that have been made into movies. And again, I keep repeating myself, but he, his piece is, is one of my other favorites in the book. Um, um, and it's about the prodigal son. And I just have to read you a little section that uh, that uh, the in-house editor, Simon & Schuster, wrote in the in sleeve of the galley for the book. She writes, Our attorney called me after her legal reading of the good book to say she had been moved to tears and had emailed her children a quote from Tobias Wolf's essay about the prodigal son. Really? And I, I, I had a similar reaction to it. Do you know that? Do you know what the quote was? I don't. I, I did, but I was afraid you were going to quiz me. I I wrote it down, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Now here is the most <clears throat> interesting name in the book. Okay. Calm C O L M. Toybin. Calm Toybin, the mm-hmm. beloved disciple. Uh, t- mm-hmm. Tell me about him or her. Is it a him? It's a him, uh, and it's an Irish him. Ah. Say, and. Um, it's it's kind of the the same way that Jane Levy's piece in the Coach book because she wrote about somebody who was not whom we think of as sort of a traditional athletic sports coach that sort of thing. Uh, Colm's piece is is really more of a short story, um, and and for your listeners who don't know, I mean he is again he's a master of many trades. He's a, a, a novelist. He's written short story collections. He wrote a play called The Testament of Mary, which might tip you off as to why I might think of him for this book. Um, uh, you know, I think to, to, it's such a subjective, interpretive, whatever, semantic thing of, like, to, to include a short story. And there's also a poem in the book by Robert Pinsky, who was the no, uh, Poet Laureate. Um, but Colm's piece um, is is uh, is essentially fiction. I mean, there are people, obviously, who think that the whole Bible is fiction. Um, but Colm's piece is just a beautiful, eloquent, it's sort of the standout piece, at least as far as the early reactions to the book is. is Great to visit with you, Andrew. Congratulations on a wonderful compilation. The Good Book, Simon & Schuster is the publisher. Writers reflect on favorite Bible passages. Uh, So good to catch up with you again, Andrew. Thank you, Pat. You as well. Uh, We uh, have more, excuse me, we have more right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, we do this show every weekend, and we're always delighted uh, when you plug in with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Steve Lash with Blue Book Service Center. Have you gotten your car repaired and wondered, did I really need all that? Or every time you take it in, they give you a laundry list of unneeded repairs. That's because most garages have service writers that work on commission. That's right, they sell you what makes them money. At Blue Book Service Center, we don't have service writers. You talk directly to the manager, and we only fix what needs to be done. Since 1980, Blue Book Service Center has provided service to churches, schools, government agencies such as Seminole County Sheriff's Department and of course the general public. To save you more we have one of the lowest labor rates in Orange or Seminole County. As for experience our service manager has been here 31 years and all of the mechanics over 10 years plus. Don't be sold service you don't need and cut your service cost today. Call Blue Book Service Center at 407-321-0741 people you can trust to repair your car. And Blue Book Cars is a member of the Orlando Tides Network. Can going to church and being religious 
ever be wrong? Isn't that what God expects of us? Well, you may be surprised by the answer to those questions as given in a little-known book in the Old Testament. This week on Through the Bible, we'll hear Dr. McGee point out from the prophecy of Zechariah that when the heart isn't right, the ritual isn't right either. To find out more about what God considers important, join us weekdays on this station. Weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Andrew Blonner, our guest in that first half hour, editor of the Good Book. Uh, Carl Gallups is with us next. Uh, his new book is out. It's called Be Thou Prepared. And boy, what a read. And uh, really good to catch up with you, Carl. I hope things are well in your world. Yeah, Pat, things are going great. Thank you. The Lord has blessed, and uh, it's great to be back with you, my friend. So what's the title mean? And more importantly, the subtitle, Equipping the Church for Persecution in Times of Trouble. Fill fill us in. Yeah, thank you for asking. No, that, that's why I wrote the book. Let, let me explain to your uh, listening audience a couple of things that I think will help them. Of course, as you said, the title of the book is Be Thou Prepared, and then the subtitle is Equipping the Church for Persecution in Times of Trouble. Now, the reason I wrote this book, I am a, a, I've been 30 years in the ministry, 29 years the pastor of one church right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, but prior to that, I spent 10 years in Florida law enforcement with two different sheriff's offices, one of those doing criminal investigations, as well as the Florida Department of Corrections. So the bottom line is, Pat, I have over 40 years excuse me, of experience in ministering in the tragedies and traumas and disasters of people's life, uh, every, everything from natural disasters to death and everything in between. And so after all of these years in ministry, Pat, uh, you know, as the world is changing around us and, and people see that uh, we're living in some pretty prophetic times right now, uh, p- people have been asking for the past six or seven years especially, you know, what's going on in the world and how do we prepare for the times that are, are, that are coming? Um, and so they ask tough questions, Pat, and the book answers those tough questions, dozens of them. And, I, you know, questions like, you know, should a, should a Christian be prepared? I mean, should we store up food and water? I don't want to look like some crazy prepper hiding under a log eating grubs. <laughs> Is there a balance to this? They ask questions like, well, should a Christian own a firearm? Should a Christian even carry a firearm? Should a church have security ministry teams? Uh, what about turn the other cheek? What about uh, what about the martyrs, the Christian martyrs? They, they didn't defend themselves. Uh, what about Romans 13 and obeying the government and everything? And on and on and on the questions go. And so after 40 years of experience and dealing in helping people through the traumas and tragedies of life, I decided it was time to put everything down that God has taught me and that I have learned and, and, and the things I've been, been actually involved in to put it in a book and to help folks out. So the book, I want your audience to know, it's very biblically based. It's very balanced. It's rational. It's reasonable. It's not alarmist. I'm not a date setter. I don't run around claiming the sky is falling every day. Uh, but again, I've been in law enforcement and ministry for 40 years. I see the times changing. I see what's going on. I know what's happening in the world around us. And, uh, and, 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 and besides, you know, I live on the Gulf Coast. I live in Hurricane Alley. I mean, mm-hmm. I have been through Hurricane Ivan and Dennis and Katrina, and we had families in our church that lost their homes. We acted as a FEMA staging center for food and water. We spent years on the Gulf Coast helping churches and communities rebuild. We literally, our church literally rebuilt three other churches and and a town in the Mississippi Gulf Coast area helping them to rebuild. So so we've been involved in all of this, Pat, and I wanted the rest of the nation to have access to the things that I have learned and the things that I have put into practice. And plus, as I said, I, I'm on radio and television, and people ask me these questions all the time, and, and they're tough questions, And, and but I've, I've put the answers in this book, Pat. Carl Gallups is with us, pastor, best-selling author, radio talk show host, former Florida law enforcement officer. Uh 
Carl, what does the Bible say about being prepared for disasters? Yeah, thanks. Well, the bottom line is this. There's balance to it all, but the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and I'll give you a couple of examples, uh, implores us. We we are instructed, uh, we are commanded as God's people to always be prepared in the spiritual sense, to be prepared for the spiritual battles that come our way, but in the physical sense. I mean, in the Old Testament, you have the proverb that says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Even the ant stores up for the winter. Uh, another another scripture in, in the Old Testament says, the prudent man sees danger coming and prepares for it and is spared. But the, but the, uh, the fool sees danger coming and does nothing and pays the penalty for it. So those are Old Testament scriptures that warn us and tell us. We think of Joseph in the Old Testament, who was, who was warned by God that famine was coming. And what was he told to do? He was told to go to Pharaoh and instruct him, you better start storing up. You better start preparing. Tough times are coming. And not only did Joseph do it, but we know the rest of the account that he wound up saving the whole nation. In fact, wound up saving his own family that uh, that came in from Canaan. So, so that's Old Testament. But by the time you get to the New Testament, we see it on steroids. <laughs> and my book chronicles the early church. My goodness, they dealt with famine. They dealt with earthquake. They dealt with persecution. They dealt with... Um, with food shortages, uh, Paul had to take up a collection among the churches to help the mother church back at Jerusalem because of the persecution and the tough times they were facing. They were constantly in a state of preparation and preparing and taking care of one another. And so I, I could go on and on, but, that, but the bottom line is the Word of God has a lot to say to God's people, and this is why I wrote the book, to help God's people get a grip and to get a perspective on this issue of preparing. And one other thing I'd like to say along those lines, Pat, is that the main theme of my book is the reason we prepare as God's people is not to sit around and hoard up supplies so that we are living in the lap of luxury while others are dying around us in some disaster. The reason we prepare is so that immediately upon any kind of a disaster striking, whether it's a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or anything in between, that when we are prepared, then we are instantly able to minister to the world around us in the name of Christ. And I have lived it, Pat. My church has lived it. We have prepared. When disaster struck, we were ready. And the first thing we did was get out into the world around us and start ministering to other people. Carl Gallops is with us, author of Be Thou Prepared. Carl, should Christians protect themselves with firearms, and should they stockpile supplies? Yeah, those are good questions, and again, those are the tough questions that I deal with in my book at length. Let me give some short answers now, but for people who want the details and the scriptural backing and some practical application, please get the book, because I deal in great uh, great depth in it. But, but Pat, yeah, the, the thing about firearms, you know, that's such a testy matter today in these days, but let me just say to your audience, look, here's the bottom line. God's people have always been called to protect themselves, to defend themselves, their families, their children, the people who are depending upon them for dependence, uh, for protection. Again, I think of the uh, in the Old Testament, in the days of Nehemiah, when he went back to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem and under the order of an edict. Also, it was God's work. And in doing God's work, enemies were about. Enemies were constantly threatening to kill them all, to destroy the work of God. And Nehemiah instructed the men upon the wall, he said, you put a spear in one hand and, and, and have a shovel in the other. And he said that he had men on the walls with spears and swords and bows and arrows. And he told them, you defend your families, you protect your families, and get on with the work of God. So, I mean, that's in Old Testament. By the time we get to the New Testament, uh, of course, we, we, I mean, this is one example I use in my book, and again, there are many others. But in, in, in the evening of Jesus' arrest and betrayal, he told his disciples, and he meant this very literally, Pat. There's no other way to interpret this. He told them, he said, he asked them, do you have a sword? He said, and then I'm going to paraphrase for your audience here, but he went on to say, look, tough times are coming. I'm getting ready to go to a cross. I'm going to be resurrected from the grave. People are going to come looking for you. They're going to think that you stole the body. You know, you've tough times coming. He said, I advise you to buy a sword. 
If you don't have a sword, then sell something that you have and buy one. And then Peter said, well, we've got two among us right now. And Jesus said, well, that'll be enough. And I think he probably smiled at Peter because you know, Peter was always gung-ho. But, but the point is, Pat, Jesus actually told his disciples, go get a personal protection weapon. You need it. They didn't have firearms in those days, but a sword on your side under your cloak was the same thing as a concealed weapon under your jacket now. And so anyway, I could go on and on, but the short answer is there's nothing wrong with a Christian defending themselves and especially their innocent ones, their loved ones around them. There's nothing wrong with the church family taking reasonable, rational methods to protect themselves. We're being targeted today, Pat. Christians are being targeted in schools, in churches, in communities, and we need to just be prepared, reasonably balanced and biblically. And my book, of course, goes into that in great detail. Now, Carl, I want you to fill us in on how should Christians be prepared for the possibility of a coming economic collapse? Or, how about this one, Uh, a potentially looming World War III? Yeah, yeah. What do you tell tell us? Yeah, well, uh, again, the the book goes into uh, great detail on those topics. Those are good questions. And again, these are examples of tough questions people are asking. And so I tell folks, look, I am not a financial expert. I don't pretend to be. I don't play one on television. So I don't have tips for the stock market or, or tips on buying gold and silver or anything like that. But what I tell folks is, listen, you, you go to the experts, and you will hear many of them saying that the economic situation in our nation, even in the world markets, cannot sustain itself at the rate that it is now. Now, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying that even a massive amount of experts are saying, you know what, there, there are, there's a lot of falsehoods in this market. There are a lot of things being propped up. People better be prepared. And of course, everybody has their, um, you know, uh, recommendations, buy silver, buy gold, do this, do that, you know, deal in cash, whatever. But it depends on what happens. If it's a, if it's a momentary glitch, if it's a few months of depression or, or recession or a few years, that's one thing. If it's a complete economic collapse, and, and that could happen. I mean, we saw it in the Great Depression in our nation, but what if, what if something like that happened throughout the world now that our world markets are so tied together? Would you be prepared? And so one of the things I say in my book is, look, at least be prepared with the essentials, because what if it got so bad, this is just a what if, that, that money was worthless? What if it got so bad that gold and silver was worthless? You can't eat gold and silver. You know, so so what are the basic needs of life? And I have a whole chapter that that gets people thinking of, look, if if the worst case scenario happened and I pray it doesn't. But what if it does? What do you need? Well, the seven basics, you need food, you need water, you need clothing, you need shelter, you need medications, you you, you need certain tools uh, and you need something to defend yourself with. And so I go through the details of all of that. So, so the bottom line, you know, Pat, look, it comes down for the children of God. It comes down to faith every day. We're not guaranteed of another day. We're not guaranteed of another breath. So you can make all the preparation you want. You can store up a barn full of food and water and a tornado hit it and scatter it all over the place or a fire strike it and burn it all down. Uh, so I just, so the book, as I said, I try to help people think and plan what if the World War III scenario ensued. I mean, we've got one possibly building right now in the Middle East. What if it comes to our shores? The FBI has said that there are ISIS cells in all 50 states of the United States. The FBI said that. Not some crazy preacher, but the FBI. What do, what do we do? What do we do in the case of a civil disobedience like Ferguson? What if a Ferguson erupted across our country? What, what do you do when you can't get to the grocery stores, when you can't get to the gas station, when you can't get to the doctor? Uh, but we've seen those things happen in microcosms already, Pat. What if they happen on a national scale or a regional scale within our nation? So this is what the book is about. I'm just trying to kind of shake the church wake people up and say, look, we've had it good, we've been blessed, 
the last 50 years in this nation have been something that the world has never seen. I pray we continue to have blessings we've had, but the way we're spitting in the face of God, I doubt it. My my guest is Pastor Carl Gallups. The book is called Be Thou Prepared, Equipping the Church for Persecution and Times of Trouble. we got more with Carl right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Looking for more than just a job? Searching for a career path with a higher calling? With a company who wants you for your life skills as well as your job skills? Find a career you can believe in. Find your true calling at ChristianJobs.com. ChristianJobs.com is the largest Christian employment website with thousands of job listings in the Christian sector. Get connected with outstanding employers that share your values and understand there's more to you than what's in your resume. I've always wanted to focus my energies in the Christian community. Community because, to me, having a career means more than just a paycheck. ChristianJobs.com allowed me to apply all my skills in a meaningful way. Find your true dream job today at ChristianJobs.com. I found not only my dream job, but my calling at ChristianJobs.com. Once you see the long list of quality job opportunities available, you'll never settle for just a job again. Visit ChristianJobs.com. ChristianJobs.com. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Do you have enough drinking water at home or work? Or whatever life throws at you. This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared delivery special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees. Call 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Pastor Carl Gallops is with us, author of Be Thou Prepared. I think this is an important one, Carl. What are Christians to do in the face of persecution? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pat. Well, listen, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, uh, yeah, there, there are several scenarios, and I suppose it would depend upon the circumstances, but let me explain what I mean by that. We, we, we know now that there is an unprecedented targeting of Christians in the United States. Uh, unprecedented, of course, the audience knows. That means it's never been quite like this before, not, not in the United States. Now, we are not under the level of persecution that, say, our brothers and sisters in China or North Korea or the Middle East are. We, we understand that. We're, we, we don't have our heads cut off in America simply because of the way we believe, because some government uh, uh, decreed that we be executed. We, we understand that we're not under that kind of persecution. But we're watching our rights erode. We're watching our, our, um, our religious freedoms erode. We're watching the specific targeting of Christians by radical agendas, radical Islamic agenda, the radical gay agenda, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I say to Christians in my book and in my ministry life, look, there's a balance to all of this. Every day is a day of faith. Every day is a blessing. We are not, the Christians are not to go out with, you know, six-shooter on each hip and our, and our shoulders bowed up and our chest stuck out looking for a fight. Absolutely not. We go on with our life. We go on with our day, understanding that our primary goal in life is to advance the kingdom of Christ, to show the love of Christ to the world around us, minister to the world around us. But in the meantime, we need to take practical measures to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, and particularly those that are depending upon us, Pat, our children, our spouses. 
uh, elderly people around us. Churches need to pay, take uh, security measures, security precautions um, for, for the possibility of being targeted for an attack. So, so that's just the common sense, fundamental answer to your question. But I do know, you know, people say, well, what about the martyrs? You know, they didn't do that. They just laid their lives down. My answer to that is, wait a minute. Think about this rationally. I don't know anywhere, anytime, where thousands, tens of thousands of Christians just lined up in the streets one day and delivered themselves to the lions. That didn't happen. However, tens of thousands of Christians did go to the lions over several centuries, and and they were what we call the martyrs. But the problem was, most Christian martyrs are martyrs because they were first disarmed, Pat. They first had no ability. They were. It was made sure under government decrees and, and various uh, uh, nefarious processes that, that they had no means to protect themselves. And so then they were rounded up, and then they were brought into the arenas, and then the lions were loosed upon them. And at that point, the only choice they had, and here's what makes them martyrs, and I'm certainly not taking away, because what they did was amazing. Many of them were given opportunities to denounce Christ to save their lives. And, of course, we know, history tells us, that many, many of them never did denounce Christ, and they lost their lives, and they watched their children mauled and killed and tortured before their eyes. So as horrific as all of that is, I am praying and we are praying that nothing like that ever comes to America, and that's why, we're, that's why I'm writing this book and getting Christians prepared, waking them up to what's happening, and helping them to understand that, you know, look, it's, 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 don't sit back saying, well— you know, I'm just going to be, uh, I'm just going to live by faith every day, and I'm not going to get prepared because, uh, you know, somehow God will provide. Well, that's really twisting and perverting the truth of what God's Word says about all of that. So, again, Pat, I mean, you can ask me specific questions, and I'm trying to give general answers for this uh, radio interview with your audience, but again, if when folks get the book, they'll get into the, to the details of those answers. The name of the book is Be Thou Prepared. The author is Carl Gallops, uh, who is our guest. WND Books published this one. Uh, Carl, here's a biggie. Uh, so how can we be witnesses? How can Christians be a witness in times of distress? Yeah, well, you mean you know that's a major theme of my book, Pat, is to help folks understand that. Look, life happens. I mean, a tornado can touch down overnight, like it did in Tuscaloosa a few years back, kill hundreds of people within minutes. Um, a hurricane can slam the Gulf Coast, as I have been through, destroy homes, towns, you know, lives. Uh, home, uh, if, uh, that can happen. So natural disasters can befall us at any time. And so what I say to Christians is, look, we need to at least be prepared for a natural disaster of the area in which we live, because that's just life not counting civil disobedience, not counting the possibility of another terrorist attack, not counting the possibility of an economic collapse. I mean, on and on, the things that are out there in the world that are kind of converging upon us. And so I tell Christians, look, the whole bottom line to all of this, Pat, is that we need to be prepared so that when some type of calamity strikes, you notice I didn't say if, <laughs> I said when, <laughs> you know, when it strikes, that, that we are then able, as, as God's people, the body of Christ, that we are able to minister to people around us. Sometimes we might have to feed and clothe and bind up the wounds of those who weren't prepared. And I know people say, well, that's not fair. We prepared and they didn't. Well, I know that. That's why I wrote the book. I'm trying to get more and more people to be reasonably, biblically, rationally prepared. But the deal is, the reason we do that is so that we are then free to minister the love of Christ, to minister to their needs, and then hopefully so we can minister the gospel to the world around us in tough times. That's the way the early church did it, Pat, and I document that in my book. And that's one of the main teachings of my book is to go all the way back to the early church and say, look, they had to learn from the inception of the church. They had to learn how to take care of each other. 
and how to take care of their own families, but then for the purpose of ministering to the world around them. It was a tough world 2,000 years ago, and it's a tough world today. And so that's one of the main messages of my book, Pat. Carl, uh, what do you want our listeners here uh, to take, uh, to take away? What's the bottom line here? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, there are several bottom lines to this book. First of all, I want to remind your listeners this book comes out of my 40 years of life experience, 30 years plus in the ministry, actually dealing hands-on, having to network with churches and communities and dealing in disasters and trauma. And then prior to that, 10 years in Florida law enforcement with two different sheriff's offices and the prison system and just the tragedies of life. I'm I'm 60 years old now. I I have a lot of uh, life experience under my belt, a lot of instruction from God's Word. And so I wrote this book to help. I'm discovering that so many churches, preachers and churches aren't teaching and preaching any of this. And, and, And it comes straight from the Word of God. And so, so many people are not prepared. So takeaway number one, I want God's people to wake up uh, as a whole across this nation. I want God's people to understand we're living in a changing world. We're living in prophetic times. You need to be prepared so that you can minister to your own family first when disaster strikes. But then when you're prepared, you can minister to the world around you. So... That's that's the basic takeaway of the whole book. Now, again, uh, the second takeaway is it's very practical. I get into, I answer the questions, the tough, tough questions that people are asking, and I give biblical support to all the answers, and then I give practical illustrations, even lists and 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 um, and charts, and you know how to do this, how to do that. So it's it's a it's kind of an eclectic piece of of work, but uh, but that's the takeaway of the book. What's next in your life, Carl? What's going on next? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, you know, I'm so blessed, my friend. I, I pastor a church on the Gulf Coast. It's called Hickory Hike Baptist Church. That's the name of a road here right outside of Pensacola. I've been the pastor there 29 years. We do missions and outreach all over the world, so I'm involved in that um, immensely, pastoring the church. But I also, this is my fourth book, and all four of my books have been published by WND Books. All four of them have been blessed of the Lord, become national bestsellers. Uh, one of them's been made into a documentary movie. Um, one of them has been translated into six languages. Another one has been made into an audiobook format. My guest has been Carl Gallops. We've got a wrap-up, folks, right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, in the first half hour, Andrew Blotter was with us. Uh, he was the editor of the good book. Had a good visit with Andrew. Very interesting. Uh, and then Carl Gallops uh, from Pensacola, uh, author of Be Thou Prepared. Uh, please visit my website, folks. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, my most recent book is out. It's called Extreme Winning. Uh, HCI is the publisher. It's in bookstores now. And uh, Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books as well. Uh, we will be back next week. I look forward to visiting with you. In the meantime, have a great day in church tomorrow and a wonderful week ahead here in beautiful central Florida where we're enjoying all this great weather. Pat Williams here on the Power Hour. So long, everybody. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.